Welcome to the EO Podcast, where we amplify and celebrate all forms of employee ownership. Hello, my friends. Thank you for listening. My name is Brett Kiesling, and as it says on my business cards, I'm a passionate advocate for employee ownership. I hope as you're listening to this podcast, you and your family are staying safe and doing well during the pandemic crisis. By way of reference for those who will listen to this episode sometime in the future, as we're releasing this on May 5th, 2020, the country approaches 70,000 lost souls, and meanwhile, states are beginning to ease restrictions that have kept us staying at home for the last few months. Although much of the business world remains shuttered, many companies have been pivoting production towards helping to fight coronavirus. One such company I want to tell you about are the great employee owners at Harpoon Brewery. You may know them from Harpoon IPA and its other brands that are sold in 32 states. If you're a beer drinker, chances are you've tried it and you've probably liked it. Harpoon Brewery was formed in 1986, and in 2014 it became a 100% ESOP when it determined that was the best way for it to remain an independent craft brewery. What caught my attention was that recently Harpoon Brewery, along with Deacon Giles Distillery in New England, worked together to convert beer into hand sanitizer that was then donated to the Boston Resiliency Fund. Harpoon worked with other New England craft brewers to coordinate efforts to donate supplies so that they could make sanitizer in other communities as well. Like many companies, Harpoon Brewery's business has undoubtedly faced significant disruption as a result of restaurants pretty much closing nationwide. Fortunately, there are still outlets to buy beer, and many people are taking advantage of them, so I trust that Harpoon Brewery will be able to weather this storm. But I love the fact that they've taken at least some of their product and turned it into something that can be donated in their communities as opposed to being sold. I'm glad they're in a position to do that. I think it speaks very well of them as employee owners. If you get a chance to visit Harpoon Brewery's website, it's pretty cool to see all the different types of beer they brew, and I'm always a fan when an ESOP is prominently featured on an employee-owned company's website. Harpoon Brewery has many, many great employee owners, but if you've been to an ESOP Association National Conference or New England Chapter event, there's a good likelihood that you've met one of their employee owners, Aaron Moberger, who's an officer and leader in the New England Chapter. He's also active in NCO as well. Aaron's a great guy, and beyond his work at Harpoon, he's become a passionate advocate for employee ownership in his own right. Aaron sat down with us for a conversation in October 2018, and I'm going to share an excerpt with you. You can find the entire conversation with Aaron in episode 49, which is available on our website at theesoppodcast.com. And you can find our entire archive of podcast and mini-cast episodes there as well. In this excerpt, you'll hear a lot of background noise as we recorded this live at a New England chapter conference. On the one hand, I know the background noise can be a bit distracting, and I apologize for that. But I have to admit, with the ESOP Association and NCO having all of their meetings virtually, the background noise actually made me a little nostalgic and reinforced my feeling that I can't wait until ESOP World and the employee ownership community can meet again in person. Here's Aaron Moberger discussing the importance of employee ownership at Harpoon Brewery. 
So uh, talk a little bit. Earlier in this uh, recording, you had referenced uh, uh, that one or two things were employee initiatives, yeah. uh, which I assume is tied to it being employee-owned. Yes. So talk a little bit about the effects of uh, being an ESOP on Harpoon. Yeah. How's it changed your company? What's yeah, we, we had a really good culture to begin with, so it's um, it wasn't like flicking a switch or something like that, um, where all of a sudden we're employee owned and we've got you know more of like an ownership spirit. It's an ownership spirit before that, but of course you need the you need the ESOP component as well, right? Um, so I would I guess it just sort of augmented a lot of the good things that were there already. You know, people care more. Um, People will figure out how to use our continuous improvement program, you know, or we've, we've really, we had initiatives before that. We formalized the program and track it. And I think the results are very tangible with that. You know, just talking locally in our salary department in Boston, we've increased our efficiency by 50%. Fifty percent. Fifty percent. Wow! Very yeah. impressive. Yeah, honest to God. Yeah, thank you. It's I, it's it's all people's ideas. That's the coolest thing. We were doing before we were an ESOP company. We struggled to put six batches through our finishing system. So the centrifuge and a lot of times the filter in a day, and we do eight, nine, or ten now. We did uh, eight batches of beer through a filter bed twice, and. It, was a challenge before that and we just did 12 we did 11 a couple times in our sleep really it's we could go probably the whole week on one filter bed now wow and that wasn't from any new pieces of equipment that was from uh seller operators figuring out better ways grassroots better ways to do things which is what we like to see in, in employee-owned companies. We like to see it in any company, but yeah. obviously our focus is on the ESOPs, yeah. where the employees understand with some skin in the game that uh, you know they uh, benefit from the results. Yeah. So they, finding a way to bring down expenses uh, yeah. or innovate your processes is very much a natural component of being an ESOP. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a natural component. It's something that people, I would say people have a natural drive to do. I think um, the constructed part of it is having a system that that helps to people to use that in the best way possible you know um, if, if people if people do have these ideas and certainly they know you know we can we can make a very safe assumption that people who are doing those jobs every day know how to make them better they don't have an outlet for that it can be frustrating you know um, and it's it's far as far as I know there's no perfect system so you know, we've had to work hard to get to the point where we see those types of results. And it's still not perfect. We've come up over the past several years, just the ones that we've tracked, 200 ideas and 60 are completed. So we're at we're at a 30%, which I have no idea what world class is in terms of idea systems, but 30% seems to leave an awful lot of room for improvement. Right, right. But obviously there's still tangible results and people take a huge amount of pride. You know, our, our folks take a huge amount of pride in what they've done. And it really helps because... So, when the market shifted and you have 7,000 breweries for the first time up from six, five, you know, four, a couple of years ago, and you have to continually innovate to keep people interested and get, you know, really be faithful to consumers to stay relevant um, and all that kind of stuff. If we hadn't made a lot of those improvements, which we were doing for the sake of doing them, you know, making our, making our jobs better, um, adding share value, you know, of course, as a, as a result of those things, it would have been much more difficult to keep up with the adjustments that we've had to make since then, you know. So if we if we couldn't put eight batches through, you know, in a day and all of a sudden we had to make all these other changes 
changes, you know, maybe we would, at that point, would have been putting two quads of IPA through, and it was sort of a standard thing. And now we might be doing a quad of IPA and four other batches, so there's transition time between those things um, that we would have had to absorb, and if we weren't out ahead of it, it, it would have caused problems. And ultimately, it's just human nature uh, in traditional companies that aren't employee-owned, um, the end of the work shift comes, you're not necessarily motivated to think about it, care, you yeah. know, you uh, 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 take your check, we assume, you know, put an honest service for the check, but there's that extra component of wanting to go further yeah. because you have a piece of it. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's a great point about continuous improvement is that people need some, you know, time away from their normal work to be able to come up with and fall through on these things. So whether that's after hours or whether you do enough of them that people, people can find chunks of time during the day around their normal work to be able to do it um, is, is, a, is a necessity, you know. Sure. With that, we will bring this episode to a close. As I mentioned earlier, you can find the entire conversation with Aaron Moberger, and he talks a lot about the technical aspects of making beer. And uh, if you're a beer fan, really cool episode. If you're a fan of employee ownership, uh, no doubt there's a lot of information there as well. So you can find it in episode 49 at our podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I hope you'll join us Friday for the ESOP minicast. And as we're all going through the pandemic together, I hope you stay safe. You're not alone. We will get through this. I'm Brett Kiesling. Have a good day. We'd love to hear from you. To contact us, find us on Facebook at Kesop LLC and on Twitter at Aesop Podcast. To reach Brett with one T, email Brett at Kesop.com, on LinkedIn at Brett Kiesling, and most actively on Twitter at EO underscore Brett. Again, that's one T. This podcast has been produced by the Kesop Group, technical assistance provided by Third Circle Inc. and Bitsy Plus Design. Original music composed by Max Kiesling. Archival podcast material edited and produced by Brian Kiesling. And I'm Vitsy McCann.